finishing up our series titled The Agent. Everybody say The Agent. You can do better than that. Say The Agent. And so if you haven't been in services with us, what we've been, um, what we've been studying out and really honing in on is the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, the third person, if you will, in the Trinity. Now, a Trinity is not a word that's found in scriptures. It's a word that Christendom have used to explain how God represents himself in three persons, three distinct Godheads, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, working together in unison as one group. And someone one time asked me, how can you explain that? I said, I really can't. The best I can do is like H2O, right? H2O is what? Water. But what happens, what happens when you freeze it? It turns to ice. What's its chemical makeup still? H2O. What happens if you heat it? Steam. Still. So that's how I perceive God the best I can in my little finite thinking, my little, you know, my little, uh, you know, uh, Louisiana boy self is that, uh, you know what, that God can represent himself in three persons, three distinct Godheads working together, but one, if you will. And so many times, especially in the modern church, we don't know how or what the Holy Spirit is or how to engage. So it was my goal, and this is just go down through the Bible. And we went through some scriptures. We're going to go through a bunch today. So y'all better be people who want to know the Bible. And so we're going to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus send his spirit? Jesus calls him, the Bible calls him the spirit of Christ. Jesus called him the comforter, the teacher, the trainer, the multiple names. The Holy Ghost is how King James refers to him in the, in the, in the King James Version. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ. These are all kind of terms that represents the third person in the Trinity. And I represent him well, hopefully, by helping you see he's not some ethereal, you know, shadowy figure. But is, uh, with character, he has characteristics and personality pieces. And he is who abides in us. Jesus came in the form of a man. He, is, uh, he died. He resurrected. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, interceding for us, but he sent his spirit to live and abide in us. And so I always laugh because, you know, when, when I first got saved, the big thing to do was to, was to go to uh, uh, vacation Bible school and Sunday school, and they would always ask me, now, little boy, who, who lives inside of you? And I'd say, Jesus lives inside of me. And, yeah, and they're a good job. And as I got older and read the scripture, the spirit of Christ lives inside of me. But Jesus I'm picturing Jesus at the perfect height at about 5'9 or so, and 5'8 uh, range. And, um, and so since I'm just a little bit shorter than that, if Jesus lived inside of me, he would be busting out everywhere. No, the Spirit of Christ lives in us. And so what we did was, our first week, we looked at part of his role, according to Scripture, is that was his role was to comfort us while convicting us. And if you don't ever experience convicting uh, conviction, then I would wonder if the Spirit of God is inside of you. Are you a believer? Have you truly accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and let His Holy Spirit come and live and abide in you? I'm convicted on a daily basis. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody. Like, I'm convicted all the time. I'm getting so tired of it. I'm like, wish you'd stop convicting me. I, I want to have a bad day, and I wish you'd leave me alone about this thing. But the Spirit of Christ dwells in me, and He convicts and he comforts, and we studied that in the first part of our series. And then last week we looked at how he also, one of, one of his key jobs is to teach us and to guide us. And I asked you a question, how do you make life decisions? Who's guiding you on a daily basis? Who, who's giving you direction? You're the, the prof that, that wicked professor that you studied under uh, back, you know, 25 years ago? 
who was a who was a uh, you know who was an atheist? Is that where you or the book uh, that some dude wrote because he's making millions of dollars off of us and he had a way to get it on the New York Times best? Is that who's guiding you? I tell you who's guiding me, and I tell you who's supposed to be guiding the believer, and that is the Holy Spirit. He's supposed to be guiding us, leading us to all truth, guiding us. Because I'm gonna tell you, you better have somebody guiding you in the in the era that we live in. I don't know who to trust anymore. There are more liars on both sides of the aisle. I'm telling you. I don't. I mean, I can't. I, I don't know who is right and who's wrong anymore because they've all bought into it's okay to lie just as long as we get our way. That's a that's the era that I live in now. I didn't grow up like that. I mean, I used to trust doctors. I, I used to trust. I used to trust the professions. Um, but I'll tell you, I've seen so, as a pastor, I've seen so much manipulation, so much brokenness. As, and I, I, what I what I do trust is. The world to be selfishly motivated. But the spirit of Christ that lives inside of us is not motivated selfishly. In fact, Jesus said he will not speak of his own, but he'll only speak of what I tell him, of what I'm doing. He will represent me. That's why we titled this series The Agent. Because an agent is someone who represents someone else. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, my agent, will represent me. And he will seek out the things of God and reveal it to you. Come on, isn't that good? And so today as we jump in to this person of the Holy Spirit, and I make a point each week, and I want to make it one more time, and that is the Holy Spirit is referred to uh, just under 100 times in our Old Testament. But he's referred to over 250 times in our New Testament. What that says to me and the point that I would make in that is that he is the critical factor in the New Covenant relationship that, it, that Jesus and, and God the Father didn't just say, you know, and Jesus said like this, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm send you the spirit of the living God. My Holy Spirit's going to come and abide in you. And you will be able to walk this thing out. And so, as we, again, as we studied, he will, he will comfort us and he'll convict us. He'll teach us and he'll guide us. And then the third thing that I want to point out to you that is the critical role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And that is to empower us. Everybody say empower. empower. Do it again. Say power. power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is our key verse for today. I'll refer to it throughout the message. But you will receive power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Those of you that have grown up in charismatic, spirit-filled Pentecostal churches, you've probably heard a billion sermons on this word power. It's the word dunamis in Greek. It's where we get our word dynamite. It's, uh, it's this explosive, it's this, this, um, this power. I mean, the easiest way to describe this thing that the Holy Spirit's going to do in us, he's going to give us power. His goal is to give us power. You shall receive power after which the Holy Spirit's come upon you. In fact, I'd like to point out in Jesus' life and ministry on the earth, if you'll pay attention to Scripture, if you've ever read through Scripture in the Gospels, you'll realize that Jesus didn't do any significant supernatural works until one moment. And it was the moment in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus gets water baptized. John baptizes him. He doesn't want to, but he does it in obedience. And when Jesus comes out of the water, the Bible says two things happen. First off, Father, uh, Father God speaks and says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. At the same time, simultaneously, John records that he saw the Spirit of God coming upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit come upon him in the form of a dove. And then the scripture records there in Luke chapter 4 that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. From there for 40 days he fasted, he ate nothing. And in the, at the end of those 40 days, Satan himself, Satan himself, not one of his little demons, not one of his little, you know, little uh, underlings, Satan himself came to tempt Jesus. And after these three big temptation moments, Jesus overcame him. One, two, three, smack, 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 get behind me, Satan, you got no power. 
And all of a sudden, from that point forward, Jesus returns from the wilderness. And let's pick up in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. says it like this. Jesus returned to Galilee. Pay attention. In the power of the Spirit. Jesus returned uh, to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Something shifted after the spirit of the living God came upon Jesus' life. His human ministry, all of a sudden, his ministry on earth all of a sudden shifted. And from this point forward, we start seeing crazy supernatural signs and wonders that Jesus performs. I want you to understand, the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life in such a way that you begin to move in power. It's ordained for you to move in power. Every believer, it's not the special Christians who pray more than everyone else. It's a gift. The Spirit of the living God is a gift from God the Father. Joel chapter 2 says that he will pour out his Spirit on all flesh. And that happened at the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And the Holy Spirit was released upon the planet for anyone who will accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. He comes and he abides in us. And then we teach here at Hill City that there's also a secondary experience where he empowers us. Sometimes they happen simultaneous with the moment that you get saved. You also get empowerment. And other times there's a process to get your faith to a place where you say, I would like to be baptized mode. I like empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And we see this happening all throughout the book of Acts. In fact, Jesus promised that we would have this power. Look in Luke chapter 24 with me in verse 9. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city. He's telling his disciples until you have been clothed with, everybody say, power from on high. So Jesus literally tells his disciples, he's already breathed on them. They've already, if you will, received the Holy Spirit. But he says, now I want to clothe you with power. There's a baptismo. There's this experience with the Holy Spirit where he is going to empower you. Go wait for that empowerment. And he's literally prophesying to them what's going to happen to them in Acts chapter 2, where they're all in a room, 120 of them, and they're just worshiping God. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they all began to speak in other tongues. They saw what was like fire, tongues of fire, resting on each and every one of them. They were noteworthily transformed in a moment. All of a sudden, they begin to move in power. In fact, if you go back and study that Acts 2, little Peter, who has denied Jesus just weeks earlier, multiple times, who was scared and intimidated what people think after having this empowerment experience with the Holy Spirit he stands out in front of thousands said you killed Jesus you killed him and you need to repent for he was the Messiah and he is the Messiah and the Bible says that 3,000 people fall on their face and say we want to be saved what must, what must we do and they repent. So how did Peter go from, I care more about what people think, so I'm only posting things online that no one will ever, you know, cancel me over to cancel me if you want, but you're the one. How does he move from that? Empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, sirs, men, I tell you what, if I was a sweet lady and you were my husband, I surely would wish you would have some power to lead our family. I'm telling you right now. Sweetheart, uh, if I was married to you, I would surely hope that you would have some power flowing through you so that every little weird dude online doesn't steal you away from me and away from Jesus. I would hope to pray that the believers of Hill City could walk in power to overcome some things and be who God intended them to be so that we could actually walk and move in this earth as we were intended as sons and daughters of the Most High God. To walk in power, to know that power. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. But if the spirit of him who rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you. How many say he dwells in you? Say yes, me. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life 
to your immortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This scripture is using all these kind of terms. He will dwell in you. He will empower you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead in you. In other words, the power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead, that same power is at work in you. If you have the Holy Spirit at work in you, that is what it looks like to be a believer. That's what it says when he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and ye shall receive power years ago. After I had had beautiful experiences with the Holy Spirit, I began to walk in power. And I'll never forget, uh, Jamie and I were discussing it this morning because I wanted to get the detail right because I don't want to get in trouble when I get home. And so we believe that we were engaged or just newlyweds or something like that. But where I'm from in Louisiana, in Baton Rouge, they have these levees alongside the Mississippi River because at flood time, that river swells. And it's, uh, you know, it's what happened in Katrina that, you know, all that water in New Orleans, like a bowl. And it just, all that water came in and just set in that city because so far below sea level. And so in Baton Rouge, we built these levees all along this Mississippi River. And, and, and there in our city, you got these beautiful levees now have become like the, the walkways. You're like the couples will go out there at night and walk in the levee and look up at the stars and smooch a little bit or whatever. And so, and so in our time, I took her out one night and we, we were out there. And it was one of, one of those kind of nights where there wasn't a lot of people out. And they had built right there close to the down, right there in the downtown area along the river. They had built right there along the river. Um, they had built like this tower, this open tower, open walls, just four stories of just stairs. And you get to the top of it was a platform and you could look out over the river and see the stars. And so it was probably somewhere close to midnight and probably should have been took her home. But, you know, I, I think we were married at this point or we were engaged. And so I said, come on, baby, let's go up on that. Uh, let's go up to the tower and look out. So we get to it and they've got the little chain across it. Uh, they didn't have any doors on it. Again, it's, it's an open type of platform form stair thing and she goes oh we're not supposed to because the chains are like baby those chains are there to protect this place from wicked people we're not wicked so <laughs> step over and we climbed the stairs and went to the top and and uh, you know we're just holding each other and looking up at the stars and seeing out across the river and all that and and since I'm from the hood originally I started noticing that I saw this guy down here I saw him kind of running in the shadows and I saw him come to the platform and so Jamie's just snuggled up and she's just you know and full sense of protection and I'm thinking Woo, here he comes and I had this I realized this guy's I bet he's up to no good I felt this thing inside of me I didn't prejudge him I just like I had something from the Holy Spirit and so as he come up the stairs I realized I'm gonna need to start moving down the stairs right now lest when he gets up here he thinks that I'm leaving because of him I'm just going to go ahead and make a move. So I was like, baby, come on, let's, let's, let's go ahead and go. She's like, are you sure? Like, yeah, come on, let's go. And so we get to the first set of stairs that we're going to start coming down. He's coming up, and he meets me right there, and he's looking at me. He goes, hey, man. Hey, man, my car broke down, and, uh, and I, need, I, I ain't got any gas. You got some money that I can, that I can get from you? I'm like, bro, I, I don't have anything, man. I'm sorry. And he's like, uh, he goes, no, no, man, come on. You got to have something. I said, bro, I got nothing. I got nothing for you. There's nothing I can do for you, man. I got nothing. I got, I, I got nothing I can give you. And so all of a sudden, I, I realized he started reaching in the back, and he's got a knife. He's about to pull it on us. And, uh, and so I, I, these thought processes go through my head. I can kick him in the teeth or in his crotch and outrun him. But I got her with me, and I don't know what to do with her. <laughs> and I don't have any weapon on me to stand and fight this thing. And I'm like, my God, I'm in trouble. Like, I'm in a tough place. Like, I've got to have something that I don't possess I don't have a weapon. And all of a sudden, I heard the Spirit of God go, are you kidding me? You got power, boy. And I'm like, that's right. I got power. But I thought that was only for church. He's like, you so stupid. And so I have a beautiful prayer language. And, uh, and this guy's reaching for this knife. And he's getting all belligerent. 
Like, bro, you gonna, uh, what about that watch on your, on your arm? I had like a little Walmart watch or something. Like, like you're not going to get $3 from a pawn shop for it, and it ain't even open right now. So this is all about you trying to mug us because you saw a little couple that you thought you could take advantage of. And so I said, bro, I got nothing for you. And he goes, yes, you about to give me that watch right now, and maybe even them shoes. I forget what, he was, what else he wanted in that moment. And all of a sudden, guys, from within me, and again, I apologize if you get intimidated with somebody with a prayer language. That's not my fault, but that's what I got. And so I looked at him in his eyes, and I went, Shela bakate, Shela matete. I said, do you know who I am? And he's like, no. I said, I'm a son of the most. Do you know who she is? This is God himself's daughter. Have you lost your ever? Shela bakate. And I start walking him down. I'm looking in his eyes, and I, he's going down the stairs like this. And I'm Shela bakate. I mean, I am praying in tongues in his eyeball. And he's doing like this. We make it to about the second platform, the second stairwell. And all of a sudden, he's like, I had enough of this. That dude turns around, takes off running. And my wife looks at me like, you are the man. I was like, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I got us in the car. I'll never go back to that tower. I don't even try to pass it anymore. Guys, I did not have any way to protect us but the Spirit of the living God who's inside of me, who's empowered me, had power over the demons that were driving that poor, that poor soul. That poor soul. I pray he didn't end up in prison or dead, but I'm telling you, that was a poor soul who had been deceived and had all kinds of demonic stuff happening in his poor mind, and he thought he was going to take advantage of the moment. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord saved him and saved me. Are you with me today? Say yes. You can do better than that. Are you with me? Say yes. So let me point to you what the kind of power that the scripture says that he'll give us. Power over what, Pastor? Like, what am I going to have power over? Let me, let me give you a couple thoughts. First off, the first thing that the scriptures are clear that we'll have power over with the Holy Spirit at work in our life, and that is power over sin nature. Now, you understand, and if you're new to our church, I apologize for our regular members, but I say this over and over and over again. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you forget how to sin. In fact, sin is more common to us, even as believers. The problem is once I became a Christian, now I'm convicted of the sin, but it's more natural. It's more natural to cuss somebody out who cut in front of you than to say, oh, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I just bless you. It's more natural for you to want to get back at your ex-husband because he don't bring the kids home on time like he's supposed to than it is for you to bless them and care. That's more natural. It's our sin nature, sin natural, right? And so one of the great powers that the Holy Spirit will give us is power over our sin nature. And, and so what you would have done in the past, you're not doing as much anymore. And people will ask you, why? What is different about you? I now have power over my sin nature. I don't have to act that way. Galatians 5 and 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And then if you'll drop down in verse 19 to 21, he starts laying them out. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. That's why I get so frustrated when I see these televangelists that are asking for all your money so that they can get themselves a bigger jet. Because you can hear it. It's nothing more than selfish ambition in there. They're not trying to keep people from dying in Iraq without the gospel. They're not trying to make sure that the, that the poverty that we still have in the United States is being, un or the sex trafficking. They're not trying to get, get would you help me help them? They're trying to get airplanes so they can live in comfort and that is as the scripture calls it selfish ambition there's this thing inside of them and that hasn't been worked out yet doesn't mean they're not a christian doesn't mean they don't love god doesn't mean that they don't have the holy spirit they simply have not let the holy spirit convict them in this area and they don't have power over it and so it bleeds out and so lost people watching go y'all believe that 
we're like, uh, we like him. That's a really good guy. But yeah, I wish he wouldn't have done that. I wish he wouldn't have said that. Why? Because that sin nature in that area hasn't been overcome yet. Because they've grieved the power that they possess from the Holy Spirit to overcome that area. And that's what I want you to understand is that you have power when you let the Holy Spirit empower you. You have power over your sin nature. You do not have to be a pervert anymore. You do not have to be a liar anymore. You can tell the truth even if it gets you fired. Because you know what? I got power flowing through me and it'll fix the situation. When I was a young man going through Bible school, I got a job at a law office. Well, first I started at Sam's Wholesale Club and they just didn't help pay me enough to actually get through school. So I ended up with this job as a runner at a law office, which all in those days they would have these documents that had to run to the courthouse and get them, get them filed and things like that for the, for the different things that were happening. And that's all I did. I ran. I, I, I was an Uber driver, basically. And, I would run, and the guy I was working for, that attorney, was one of the most wicked, hypocritical. That dude was cheating on his wife while going to First Baptist every Sunday. And, I, and I, here I am in Bible school, and I'm, I'm having a problem with this because this woman's showing up at times, and he's leaving in the middle of the day, and I'm having a real struggle. Well, the day that I was done, I was like, you know what? I'm done working here because I had another opportunity. I sat down in that man's office, and then the power of the Holy Spirit looked him in his eye and I said, sir, I love you. I'm so grateful. You've given me a job. I hope I've served you well. You did, you've done a good job, young man. Great. Well, sir, you know I'm in, I'm in training to be a pastor. He goes, yes, I do. I said, it would be a terrible, terrible moment for me as a Christian tra- in training to be a pastor if I don't take a moment and just speak into you for a second, sir. Can I just say this about you? You're a hypocrite. He looked at me. I thought, you can't fire me. I'm quitting. He could have still made my life miserable because he was a very influential person in our city. But I had had this power of God welling up inside of me to tell the truth. I said, you know, I've used to lie and manipulate, sir. And I've been touched by God. And his power, his Holy Spirit, is at work in me. And I think, you call yourself a Christian, but it's like you don't have power to stop cheating on your wife. And he just looked at me like, how dare you? And I just sat there. And after a few seconds of sitting there awkwardly, he goes... You are definitely called to be a pastor. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know. I just hope that I can be a good Christian. Because this is what Christianity looked like. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just saying I've overcome that and you can too. And he was like, well, thank you. You've given me a lot to think about. That power. I would have never in my days earlier, even as a Christian, before I had the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I would have never confronted someone like that. Because I want them to like me. He'll never like me again. That would have been my fear, and it was. But he gave me power to overcome that. You still there? Say yes. Here's the second thing that he'll give you is power to overcome, and that is fear. And I believe as a pastor, especially after 30 years of ministry, that fear is really the greatest enemy of your faith. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? For we must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe that fear is your greatest enemy, if you will, if I could capitalize it, you know, and capitalize it. If I, if I could just make, like, like, if I bring it all together, there's so much stuff that we fight through, but fear, I think, is probably the biggest, if you will, for me as, as a minister. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, for God <clears throat> has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and of a sound mind. So if you got fear of failure, fear of being taken advantage of, that didn't come from Jesus, and it's not his spirit. The spirit of Christ is a spirit of power over fear. 
And so if you're submitting to fear, <clears throat> you walk in a room, you hear people laughing, you think maybe they're laughing at you. That's a spirit of fear. It needs to be broken. That's not the, that's not the Holy Spirit. Because he's given you power to walk in a the room, they're laughing over there, go, hey, what y'all laughing about? So I would never do that. I'm an introvert. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The power of the Holy Spirit is not limited to some ideology that you've been told that you're an introvert versus an extrovert versus a personality profile versus some type of, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm a one minus seven on, a, on the scale and such and like that. The power of the Holy Spirit blows all of that out of the water. And that little, sh listen, I've had, listen, some of the mamas in the faith, little sweet, don't talk a whole lot. I have been rebuked by some mamas in the faith with the power flowing through them. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, you're right. You say praise the Lord. I never heard that woman talk before. And she just smacked me up on both sides. Why? Because the power of God should be at work in us. And fear is one of the critical pieces that I believe that we're suffering with as the body of Christ. That's why, they, that's why the world is still lost. If we have the truth and we have the answer, the solution, why is the world not saved? Because we live in fear to actually present truth to them. We're overtaken by it. Years ago, when I was first teaching um, our, our son how to swim, he was probably four or five, six years old. And I'll never forget, we had, we, I had been traveling, and so Jamie met me with, 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 uh, with, with Cohen and Mariah at the time, as the two we had, met me at this um, conference that I was at, and, um, and they had a pool. And so during the day, we went out to the pool. I was speaking that night, and... And so she had been having him and going in some lessons and things like that. But I wanted to see him swim. I wanted to help him. And so I said, come on, buddy. Let's get up. Let's take your floaties off, you know, your little arm floaties. And let's get on the side of the pool. And today you're going to jump in. We're going to progress in your swimming. And uh, you're going to jump in. Well, like any five or six-year-old, he stood there and was like, <laughs> and I'm in the water. I'm like, come on, buddy. Come on. Come on, daddy's got you. He's like, ah, ah, ah. all right, come on, I'm going to count to three. Ready? One, just jump to me. One, two, three. No, no. And, and Jamie's sitting over there on the side, you know, like, because she knows me. I'm like, oh, we're not going to let any fear be in my kid. Because whatever they're scared of will ultimately kill them one day. It'll affect them in a way that that will destroy their life. And I'm like, son, come on, jump in. I'm out here treading. You know, come on, jump in. Daddy's got you. We went for 25 minutes. Uh, he's a six-year-old and, and he's got and so most people would have been like oh it's okay just let it be other people sitting around the pool is like this dad is out of his ever-living mind and they're like sir let him go it's okay i'm like no because i understand what a spirit of fear will do i'm not letting it happen not in this moment and so i moved into son it's amazing how we think that we can you know we can you know uh, convince a six-year-old to do something that's right that we want to argue with them or we want to present a case that they would re that they would fear has no logic to it and I begin to have a logical discussion son has dad ever failed you have I ever let you be in pain son <laughs> all right son then, then daddy loves you right daddy loves you. all right then when i count to three jump into my loving arms i'm out here drowning trying to teach you to swim okay okay one two three i can't do it i can't do it i'm like ah so then my i move from being you know trying to convince him that i am safe that i am good that i love him how dare him then i get mad like i have never failed you boy and when I tell you to jump in the water, you better doggone jump in the water. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, isn't this what you do to me on a daily basis? 
I say, go, go talk to that person right there. And you're like, uh, uh, and you come up with 25 excuses why you can't jump into my loving arms. I've never left you. I've never abandoned you. I've never drowned it. I, I, I've only been good to you. And you can't, but a spirit of fear will jump on us. And I want you to know, he came so that we could overcome fear because he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. This is the empowerment that I'm talking about. So you're scared to go ask for a race. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. You're scared to go tell someone about what God did in your life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. He's come to give you power. This is the kind of power that he wants us to walk in. This is the kind of power he affords us. Here's the third thing that I have found throughout Scripture and in my personal life on how God literally, his Holy Spirit gives us power, and that's power over brokenness. Brokenness. And there's so much brokenness in this world. So much brokenness still in us. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, look how... The Living Bible translates this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, the Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. He wants to give you power to help others in their brokenness, to help fix brokenness. The Lord says very clearly that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to give life where there's been death. He's come to heal the sick. Help the hurting, the brokenhearted, put their hearts back together. And we, as his representatives now, Christians, little Christ, we have that same power of the Holy Spirit available to us to overcome brokenness, to literally minister to people and help people and help our own family to walk through this brokenness. In fact, if you'll keep reading in that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, so as a result, the Holy Spirit's got these power gifts that each one of you can walk in, minister in, use gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gifts of Words of wisdom, words of knowledge that you can give people through the Holy Spirit. It will show you, and you can move in power, and it will change their life. I'll give you an example of this. Uh, a few months back, um, I was ministering at a young adult conference. I may have told you guys this. Um, uh, it's been a you know, few months, being almost like, like 20 months ago, whatever it was, almost two years ago. And I was ministering at this young adult thing, and um, I get to this moment at the end of my message, and I just, like, come on, stand with me, guys. I want to pray for you. As I'm praying, I start getting these downloads from the Holy Spirit, things that he wants me to share. And because I'm a little further in my trust of the power of God flowing through me, I'm, I, I, I get it right about 50% of the time. The other 50, oh, praise God, grace. And I started getting these words. You know, I started saying, there's, there's somebody in this room. You're going through this. The Lord wants you to know this. And it's about 1,000, 800 to 1,000 young adults in the room, um, <clears throat> teens and into their 20s. And, uh, and then I start getting this thing from the Holy Spirit. And, and the, what, what I'm talking about, I start getting this word of knowledge. Um, uh, this, the way it works for me is like these thoughts come into my mind in a, in a holy moment that I know it's like, where did that come from? And, and it's how the Holy Spirit works with me. And I usually get pictures, I think pictorially. And, um, and so I saw this kid, uh, I saw a young man torturing little animals. That's what I saw. And so um, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to share that. I'm like, I'm not going to share that. Who's been torturing animals? Like, I'm not doing it. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, now, you big ninny, do what I told you to do. He's at that space now with me, like, you know, calls me names, picks on me. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. And so, um, and so I just was like, okay. I said, man, I just, guys, I'm sorry, but there's someone in this room. You've been torturing animals. And, the, and then all of a sudden the Spirit started even encouraging the rest of the word of knowledge. And, 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 and it's, it's built up. And now you're at a place where you're looking past animals. And, um, and you have literally been overtaken by an evil spirit. You don't even realize it. Um, but you said, God, if you're real, point it out today 
and, uh, and, and I'll submit to you. And the Lord says he's pointed out so that you'll repent and submit. And guys, I'm telling you, I didn't get a, who is that? Here? I was like, I'm getting out of this as fast as I can. Now I just want to, anybody who's got back problems, I want to pray for you. Now that's pretty, you know, in a room of a thousand, there's somebody got a back problem, you know, so let's just move on. It's, that's statistics, that's not prophetic. And um, <laughs> our young adults, how many of you are struggling with something sexual? You know, somebody in this room, it's a bunch of young adults. And um, so after the service, uh, people hanging out in the coffee shops, people hanging out outside. I've got a couple pastors I'm hanging out with and just kind of stand, people walking, people coming up to us. And, and this guy comes up to me. He looks like he stepped straight out of a, you know, some kind of style magazine. This kid's about 20 years old. He is good looking. He's well put together. And uh, he walks up to me. He says, hey, I want to thank you for what you did tonight. And I was like, Okay, obviously not very churched, because if he, he would have used church language, like, thank you for the ministry that you brought forth under the power of the Holy Spirit to me today. But he obviously was kind of unchurched, and he goes, you know, thanks for what you did today. I was like, okay. And he says, and, and I want to thank you because you saved my life. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, when you said that thing, I was like, what thing? He goes, about torturing the animals. He goes, that was me. And I'm looking at this kid like, what? I expected some crazy kid, you know, I expected some kid who hadn't bathed in a month or something like that, you know, it's amazing how we profile, and, uh, and I just, I was looking at this like, really, he goes, yeah, he said, I've been torturing animals, he said, I was convinced that I was going to be a ne the next great serial killer, and uh, he said, and I had actually identified a couple of girls that I've been stalking, and I came here with some friends, because um, they asked me to come, and while we were sitting there doing that song stuff that y'all were doing, singing and stuff, he said, I said, God, if you're real, and, and you want to help me, then you speak it to me today, or you do something to get my attention, and I promise you, I will, I will follow you. And he goes, and then you called me out. And he goes, uh, and he goes, and, and so I realized in that moment, I've got to change. And so I went and found that guy over there, the guy who, you know, they said was one of the pastors, and he prayed for me, and, and evil stuff came out of me. And he goes, and I'll never be the same, man, and I just want to thank you. He didn't even know how to use the words that he repented or that he'd been delivered or he'd gotten free. He just knew evil came out of him. Because I want you to understand about the power. Had I not been obedient and walked in the power, this kid would have been a Dateline special in the next 10 years. You understand? This is the power that you possess. Not because I pray more than you, because I'm the pastor. Every believer is supposed to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That was one of his jobs. And ye shall receive power. After which the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Power to fix and help in the brokenness. Power to overcome fear. Power to overcome our own sin nature. How you know why Christianity is miserable to people? Because they never move in the power. They don't have a good relationship with the power. The person of the Holy Spirit who brings forth power. So yeah, they're miserable. And I, I live that way. The church that we got saved in, they didn't teach us anything about the person of the Holy Spirit. And so for the first two years, we would go to, I would run to the altar because I was convicted because I'd gotten saved. The Spirit of God was inside of me. I didn't know that he could empower me to overcome my own sin nature. So I was at the altar repenting every Sunday for the same sin. I was, and at some point, guess what happens? And men are really good about this. They're like, screw this. I've been repenting, going to church for the same thing, and it ain't helped nothing. And it's because that church... Those people did not teach them that they should have a personal relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And not only will he convict them, not only will he comfort them, not only will he guide and teach them, but he will empower them to overcome the sin nature that's inside of them. He will empower them on a daily basis to overcome the fear that, that permeates every one of our lives. And he'll give them power to break forward into life where there's brokenness. 
kind of church do you want to be a part of? I'm not talking about buildings and services and songs. I'm talking about people who love God. What kind of people do you want to be a part of? I want to be a part of a group of people who say, you know what, I'm not perfect. But I know the person of the Holy Spirit and his power flows through my veins. It was the promised gift. So let me ask you a question. Why don't we walk in this power? Why don't we? I'm going to give you a couple reasons. Write these down. Here's the first reason that I found over the years and I find scripturally is accurate. And that is because we didn't, number one, we didn't know we could. We didn't know we could. Because you've been trained and I was trained, go to church and that dude or that dudette or whoever's up there, they're the ones with the power and they're going to minister to me. I've come to be ministered to. Ooh, that's not what the scripture teaches. Jesus himself ministers to you. Yes, he'll use me on a Sunday, but he'll also use your little daughter as you're taking her to school. He'll also use you reading through the Holy Scriptures yourself and go, wow, he is the great minister. We are nothing more than his helpers, if you will. We're not, we're not, even, we're not the shepherd. He's the shepherd. At best, I might be a sheepdog. At best. Uh, okay, all right. At best, that might be what I am. But the one who ministers to us is the presence of Christ, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, as we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. you got to get this because otherwise you're waiting on somebody else to tell you his ways and teach you his ways. You have the Holy Spirit as a Christian living inside of you. Now you need to get his baptismo. You need to let his power flow through you. But you don't even know that you can. That's the church we grew up in initially. Didn't even know we could have power. The same thing happens all throughout Scripture. In fact, look at this one. Uh, we see this in Ephesians, excuse me, Acts chapter 19. There was this group in Ephesus, this group of men. They were, they were loving God. They had been baptized. John had, had come through and told them to repent and be baptized. And so they did. Well, the Apostle Paul comes through so many years and months later. He finds these men. There's about 12 of them in Ephesus. They love God. And, they, and they're hanging out with all the believers. And, and, and Paul begins interacting with them. And he says, hey, listen, ha- have you guys been baptized in the Holy Spirit? They said, we don't know what you're talking about. He says, you don't know well, what baptism have you ha- had? He goes, well, we were, we were baptized uh, in John's baptism. He said, that's a baptism of repentance. He said, let me water baptize you into Christ as a, as a, as a profession of your, your love for Jesus. And then I'm going to lay hands on you. So this is what he does. He literally places, they, he water baptized them. When, they, when he finished water baptism, it says this, and in, in, you see it on the screen, Acts 19, 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So we didn't even know we could have this kind of power. Yeah, let me lay my hands on you. And when he lays his hands on them, all of a sudden they begin to speak in other tongues. They begin to prophesy. They start moving in the gifts. Power begins to surge through them. They never knew they could have that. And some of you have never known it. You've gone to church your whole life. Never knew you could have it. Here's the second reason why we don't work, walk in power. And that is because we don't know how to receive. We don't know how to receive. Like, okay, but what do I have to like? pay more money to the church to get this power. We see that even this confusion throughout the New Testament, these things were happening. And I want you to understand is, is, is Acts uh, chapter 1 verse 8 kind of reveals to us about this. Acts 1 says, 8 says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There's a, little, there's a little goodness in this little term right here. You will receive. That word receive in the original Greek is lambano. Lambano. It doesn't translate as well in our English when we use the word receive. Because every one of you have a different concept of receiving. For most of you, the concept of receiving is you're just sitting there waiting. That's not this word. This word, you receive power after which the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This word, lambano, is actually, it's an action word that means to take a hold of. Take a hold of. 
Now, we as the Cowboy fans, we have had good receivers and we've had not so good receivers. Everyone knows that a good receiver, when that ball is hiked and it's coming to that good receiver, that receiver runs out knowing that there are defensive players that are trying to keep him from getting the ball. So what does he do? He jukes. He knocks their hands down. And then he turns to where that ball's coming. And it doesn't matter who's around. He'll throw an elbow. He'll kick you. Whatever he has to do to go up and get that ball and receive that ball. It's a matter of attitude. And so what I have found, most Christians who've grown up in a denominational church or are new to Christ, and they've got that fear thing that they're fighting through, and I start teaching, you know you can have power, right? Um, uh, uh. And because of that fear, maybe, even, uh, maybe they went through something weird back when they were younger in some church or something. They get all oh, And then they'll tell me this. Well, if he wants me to have it, he can just give it to me. They're standing there. If he wants me to have it. Like, like can you imagine that quarterback's got to drill that ball into your chest to where it penetrates into the bone to stick in you because you refuse to take a hold of it. That's not the term here. The term here is, I know he has power for me, and I'm going to take a hold to it. I'm going to take a hold to it. But because he's been so misrepresented, I'm just being a good pastor right now. We had a sweet, sweet lady in our church for years, and I would always tell her, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. She's a pastor. Ooh, pastor. Mm -hmm. Mm, I don't know. And she'd get all nervous. And finally, after about it being in our church for about a year, I've had multiple people in our church like this. And she said, Pastor, and she's an African-American gal. She goes, I just need to tell you what I've been through. I said, okay. She said, I grew up in a church that every Sunday, it was a four-hour engagement. And she said, and they would play the music. The pe- preacher would get up there, yell, scream, and spit. And then after he got finished doing that, he prayed for all of us, and we had to fall out. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, you ever heard of shaking and baking? I was like... Like, I grew up in the 70s, so we did shake and bake. You know, we put the meat in and shake and bake and then bake it. Is that what you're talking about? She goes, no, Pastor. I'm talking about, whoo! And she started illustrating it. I was like, ooh. I was like, I've seen that. I've experienced that. But what are you talking about? She goes, no, everyone had to fall out. And we had to, we had to quake on the floor and this kind of stuff. And she said, as a child, she goes, I knew that my family would shake and bake and then act like devils when we got home. So I knew that this was all fake. She goes, as a kid, as a junior high. But I also knew that if I didn't get out of my seat and come forward and shake and bake, that that meant we were going to be here another four hours because the pastor wasn't stopping until everybody came forward and shake and bake. So she said, I would go down and shake and bake and pretend like the Spirit of God had come upon me. And she said, so when you talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, I get real triggered. In fact, she goes, in fact, I've been deconstructing my faith and I love your church, and I love you, and, I, and, 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 I, and I've learned a lot here. But when you talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, I just need you to know I'm very apprehensive because of what I experienced. Touche. But he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'll tell you, I kept telling her, I love you, but you will never receive the power as long as you are standing back going, I don't know. I don't, I'm scared to jump in. Because I had a bad experience. The Holy Spirit's sitting out here going, come on, you can trust me. Come on, I'm a gentleman. I will, not, I will not embarrass you. I will not humiliate you. That's the reason why here at Hill City, we don't take Sunday mornings and have these big power experiences with the Holy Spirit. Because we believe these are intimate moments that need to be protected as such. 
So that's why we do encounter services quarterly where you can come knowing what we're going to do. We're going to lay hands on you. We're not going to push on you. Anyone pushes on you, I'm taking them out. No one's going to walk up to you, grab your throat, go speak in tongues. Ah, Icy hot on their fingers, you know, none of this mess. None of that junk is ever going to happen. This is, but, but to create an atmosphere where you feel comfortable and safe to receive. This is why I also teach you go to small group and let your small group family lay hands on you for things like that. It's also how I teach you that you know what, you don't need anyone. At, actually, God can move on you at any moment of the day, whether you're sitting in your truck, whether you're sitting in your lazy boy, come on, whether, you are, whether you're out in the parking lot, in the coffee shop, wherever it may be. The Spirit of the living God wants to empower you. But because of foolishness, many of you don't have faith for it. And it is my job as your pastor to point out, this is for you to have power. This is not about tongues. It's not about falling on the ground. It's about empowerment so that you can overcome your sin nature, so that you can overcome fear, so that you can walk and help people get out of their brokenness because the Lord moves through you on a daily basis. Are you with me today? Say yes. Here's the third reason that people don't receive, and that is because they've grieved the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 and 30. Notice I'm giving you scripture, by the way. I'm not teaching you something that I learned on my own. This is straight out of the Holy Scriptures. Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It grieves the Holy Spirit every time you're scared of him. It grieves him. hurts his heart. It grieves him that you're worried about what others think. And so therefore you refuse to let him empower you. It grieves the Holy Spirit that you resist his movement in your life because you've had some bad doctrine from some bad teaching back in the day. When he's right here, you can look through him all throughout the Holy Spirit. Jesus points to him. Jesus sends him to us. Jesus promises him. God the Father prophesies about it in Joel chapter 2. Every one of the New Testament. Do you understand? Every one of the, every one of the New Testament revelators, those who wrote the Holy Scriptures, every one of them prayed in tongues. Every one of them had power. Do you understand that? So the scriptures that you treat as holy were given to you through humans who were walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just say it. But the reason why we grieve the Holy Spirit because we do things like we can't receive his power because we're still bitter. Miss Jamie, her story is that um, she, good denominational girl, she ended up in our church where we believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. She wanted that. She had people pray for her and pray for her and pray for her, but she had been... She had been misappropriated by, by someone. And, um, and then we had a guest speaker come to our church. And that someone looked just like that man, that guest speaker looked just like the someone who had hurt my wife deeply. She had a bitter root because of that person. And it was right then and there that the Holy Spirit said, let him lay hands on you. And I'll give you the power that you've been asking for. But you've got to overcome the bitterness in your heart towards this person who hurts you. And she said it took everything she could to stand in that little line as that man came laying hands on people for power of the Holy Spirit. And she said, but in that moment, boom, supernatural. Supernatural. But she had been grieving the Holy Spirit with her bitterness towards this other man. So the Holy Spirit said, watch this. I'm going to send you someone who looks just like him to help you get free. Guys, can I tell you the excitement of Christianity is moving in power. When Jamie and I lost our third baby, and I brought their, that last little body in the Ziploc up to the hospital for them to run tests, I was done with God. <clears throat> I was full of the Holy Spirit. I had power flowing in me, but I just thought, Lord, I just, I'm so wounded. In my woundedness, Jamie and I, for the next few years, everywhere we went, we would have people approach us and say, we, we're, we've lost our babies too. We can't get pregnant. And Jamie and I, out of faith, would lay hands on them. It wasn't supernatural faith. Come on, somebody, where well, the glory's going to fall on you. It was, well, we lost our babies too, but 
your pain, we know that pain, so we don't want you to live in this pain. We're going to pray with you. And we would pray with them. Do you know there are tons of Mariahs around the nation? My middle child's name is Mariah. And these people would name their children after my children as God healed them and they were able to get pregnant because we laid hands on them and they got healed in those moments. I don't walk around acting like I have this giant healing gift. But I know that the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit are active in my life just like they can be active in your life if you'll just let the power of God flow through you. And so just pray with people. Just believe. Just walk in faith for the power of the Holy Spirit to be active in your life. Some of you are so scared of being foolish. You're so hung up on tongues and, and prophecy and something you saw online or something that you heard that happened to your cousin and people on the ground doing all this. You're so worried about that. That fear has so gripped you that you don't know how to embrace the power that he has for you. And I would just say to you, I love you so much. Why live your life as a half-baked Christian? There's power for you to walk in. We've got an entire generation that needs to see real Christians. Entire generation. The world needs Christians who walk in power. 1 Corinthians 2 and 4 says, My message, Paul said, was not preaching. I didn't come with preaching with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We've heard enough good preaching. Let's see some real power. Let's see some people who can actually walk this thing out. Let's see some kindness in these big name ministers. Let's see, let's see some kindness in the body of Christ. Many of you left other churches because there were people in that church that have been saved 30, 40 years. And they mean and they gossip and they stab you in the back. That don't mean we don't do some of that here at Hill City. That just means that that is part of our sin nature that has to be destroyed as we walk in the power of the living God. He will give us power to overcome that and destroy those ways in our life. And I'm going to teach you that and I'm going to demonstrate that and I'm going to live in that because the world is waiting. Paul said, I didn't come to you trying to be, I'm a top theologian. He goes, but I didn't try to outsmart you with theology. He said, I showed up. And I showed you what it was like to have the Spirit of God flowing through you and in you. The agent of Christ at work in our lives. Changing us so we act like Jesus and be like Jesus and smell like Jesus and respond like Jesus. The reason why the United States is in the mess that it's in is because the, those who are supposed to look like Jesus, act like Jesus, smell like Jesus, we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us the way that it should so that we can represent him the way he told us and you shall receive power after which the holy spirit come upon you to be my witnesses to be like me that's the power of the spirit at work to be like christ everywhere jesus went when he saw hurting people he prayed with them and miracles happened everywhere he went he brought families back together that is our that's the beauty of who we get to be if we'll but let the power of the holy spirit flow through us so if I've not made a case for it today, then you must be dead because I have pounded on this thought so that you and I could walk in the power and trust the Holy Spirit to give us the empowerment that he wants us to have. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me all across? Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we wanna celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we wanna respond, and again, just 
connect with you, and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.